All right, so uh, we're going to jump in the Word today. Uh, and so you're going to have to stand, all right? So stand, and uh, let's see if we can read the Word of the Lord today. Lord, have mercy. Do we have a word for you? <clears throat> Take back your table. That's our title. Here we go. Um, it's Psalm 23. David, you know this already. David is... Um, he is taking care of his sheep, and as he's doing so, it dawns on him that what he's doing for them, God's doing for him. So he's going to simply explain what he does, and in light of that, what God does for us as well. So here we go. Read it real slowly uh, as, as we go. All right, read it with me, everybody. The Lord is my shepherd. All that means is the Lord's your shepherd, therefore you lack nothing. There's nothing that you need, that you do not have. That's, what, that's the good news for you today, that he's saying, if the Lord is your shepherd, then there's nothing that you need that you do not have because good shepherds take care of their sheep. All right, next verse. Here we go. The text continues. He makes me lie down in... Boy, this is good news everywhere. First of all, he makes me lie down. In other words, some of us don't know how to lie down. So he has to make us lie down. In other words, in other words, some of us are so busy that every now and again God has to God has to create a scenario that 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 forces you to chill. You you complain against everybody committing every sin there is in the book, but you commit the sin of ignoring the Sabbath. And yet still is one of the Ten Commandments. You say, oh, yeah, don't, don't steal, don't kill nobody, don't, don't commit adultery. Don't. You say all that, but when it comes to the Sabbath, the church is silent. The other good news is he doesn't stop there. He says he makes me lie down. He couldn't make you lie down in brown pastors. But that's not what he does. He says, I love you so much, I'm going to let you lie down in. Lord, have mercy. Then he says, he leads me beside rough water. That's not what he says, not rough waters. Because rough waters means because you're a sheep and you don't know no better, you go places you have no business going. And like the sheep would, they would put their, they'd put their, to try to drink some water from the rough waters and then too much water get on their wool, they get too heavy, they topple over and they can't pick themselves back up. Just like when you go to the club sometimes and you go places where you shouldn't go, you, you, you fall down and now all of a sudden you're on your back. Leave that alone, somebody. Let's keep going. I'm not fooling with you this morning. Next verse, next verse, next verse. Here we go. Here's his point. This is his point. This is all he's trying to do. Here's our series. He restores my soul. What's he after? Why does he, why does he make you lie down? Why does he lead you toward green pastures? Because there's something more important than the money you're going after. And that is that your soul be at rest. He says, the reason I'm doing it, the reason sometimes I allow your company to go bankrupt is because I want to restore your soul. Then he continues, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Next verse, next verse, come on, let's go. Uh, Then he says, then he says, even though I walk through the valley of the he could have said, even though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death. He didn't say that. You're going through it. No, that's good news right there. He says, I love you too much to let you stay in the valley 
He says we're going through the valley. Wherever you find yourself today, here's, what he, here's the good news. He says you're not going in and stopping. You're going right through it. It's only a matter of time before you walk through it. He continues. The reason, he says, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are, he could have left you alone. But he loves you too much to do so. He continues. Then he says, I'm not only going to be with you, I'm going to make my rod and my staff comfort you. Now, you go to too many people for comfort when you should be going to Jesus. All I need to do is, is read it and then you can go home. You're dismissed. Because the Bible is telling you there are too many other people, Shanene, that you go to for comfort. Tyrone. I'm sorry for calling his name. I'm sorry. My bad. Let's, let's go. Come on, come on, come on. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Next verse, next verse, next verse. Then he continues. Watch this now. He's going to meet all your physical needs. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my People who hate you. People who have stabbed you in the back. People who said they loved you but really was only trying to use you. People who told you they got something for you and they never gave it to you. People who said they were for you but they're only for you because you're of what you were against. And once that was over, they left you. That's what he says. He says, I'm going to prepare a table for me, in the presence of my enemy. Now, no, 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 no. God's not like us. You see, we want the table in the presence of our enemies so that we can gloat when our enemies see how blessed we are. That's not how God works. That's not how God works. There ain't no gloating here. God says, the reason I'm preparing the table is so that if you keep your eyes fixed on me while you're going through the chemo ward, then the doctor who's trying to get rid of the chemo is going to have to give me praise when I remove it before his hands even touch your body. It's not a gloating. It's not a gloating. It's to give God glory from it. He continues, you have anointed my head with oil, my cup, my God. Next verse, next verse, last verse, here we go. Then he says, I love you so much that I'm going to send two people with you everywhere you go. You can't shake them. You cannot get rid of them. It does not matter your behavior. They will follow you for the rest of your life. So when the devil wants to tell you you ain't that good, he said, goodness is following you. When the devil wants to say, man, you ain't nobody, you worthless, he wants to remind you, my loving kindness is still with you. He continues, all the days of my life, that's until you die. But it doesn't end there. That's where the culture thinks it ends, but it doesn't end there. Then he says, and I will in the of the Lord. My God. You're not sitting down yet. Stay, stay standing, stay standing, stay standing. All of that presumes that the Lord is your shepherd. And that you are taking the position of a sheep. If you're not a sheep, then he ain't your shepherd. Then these blessings don't apply to you. 
Ah. So what does it look like when God ain't your shepherd? I wonder what that looks like. What does it look like when you say, I can do, I'm the captain of my own ship. I can do my, I don't need no God. Let, let's look at another translation. Here's what it looks like. Flip it. Um, let, let's read it together. Let's read this together. Come here. Shh, 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 shh. Don't tell nobody. Don't. Just read it first. This is how crazy you sound. Come here. I am my own and I'm a I, I, I don't have everything I need, that's for sure. I wouldn't know still waters if it... You don't know what it means to be still because you're your own shepherd. You don't have peace because you're your own shepherd. Next, next, next one. Come on, come on, come on. Here we go. Next one. I have taken... I haven't taken a... In a... For quite a while now. I don't walk along paths of righteousness, but I know what fear and evil are. You, exa- you know exactly what fear is because you live in it. You thought you'd have enough money, so since you have enough money, you wouldn't need to fear, but now you're fearful that somebody's going to take it from you, so you're trying to lock it up. So ain't nobody can get it. That's because clearly the Lord ain't your shepherd. I ain't done yet. I'm just reading. Uh, The first one was the scriptures. This is not the scriptures. Uh, The next verse. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I see comfort. How that working out for you? I I can't stand my. If that's you, just wave your hand in the air. Just wave. I want to take him out. If I wouldn't go to jail. (laughs) Next verse. Come on, come on, come on. Here we go, here we go. Don't read it yet. (laughs) My cup overflows. I'm full of. Consumed by anger and sorrow and. I'm so full, I They don't have to do nothing. They just have to look at you and you're mad. They look at you and go, I wish you would. I wish, I. <laughs> I'm, I'm packed so tight, it doesn't take much. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Somebody need to take a picture of that and remind yourself. You need a shepherd. That's what you need. You need a shepherd. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. All right, here we go. If, you, if you're still in the house and if you're still watching, here we go. We need your help, God. Guide us today as we go through this process. In Jesus' name, amen. Soul care. What does your soul really long for? Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, God says that I have prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies. What that means is God has bounty and abundance for you. John 10 says 
that I came to give you life and life more abundantly. What that, what that implies is God says, I came to give you peace like you've never experienced it before, and I came to give you my presence like you never have experienced it before. And what I long for you for is for you to know what it is to taste and see that the Lord is good. His desire for you and for me is that we, is that we abide in him so that we can enjoy what he designs for us. This table, it's a table for two. There are only two people at this table, Jesus and you. No two tables are alike. He has customized it based on his calling on your life. The way he loves you is in a very personal, unique kind of way. And he says, I want you to remember that all of this I have designed with your name on it. He desires intimacy with you. He desires closeness with you. He desires uh, unhurried time with you so you're not distracted and you can accomplish what he's called you to do. When you go out today at every campus, at every door, you're going to get um, some daily affirmations that remind you of what God says to you at this table. So you're going to get, God says, um, he says to you something like, I, I am a child of God. And he says, I want you to remember that you are. That's what God says to you every day. He says, I am Jesus' friend. I'm united with the Lord. I am saved by grace. I have peace with God. I am loved by Jesus. I have been bought with a price. I am a new creation. I am complete in Christ. I am free forever from condemnation. I am never left alone. He reminds you every single day when you meet him at the table of who you are, whose you are, and what he's calling you to do. The challenge on the floor is that this is true and the word of God is true for us, but we allow somebody else to come into the picture that God didn't invite to the table, that you invite to the table, and that your mama invited to the table and your daddy invited to the table, but God didn't. And, the, and he comes in intriguingly rare form. Genesis chapter 3. Let me show you what he does. Watch the text. Genesis chapter 3 verse 1. Here's what it says. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, hey sis, hey sis, hey sis, Eve. Um, what you doing talking to a snake? You see, Satan is so good that he's going to de design himself in something that you find attractive so you don't even realize that you're talking to a snake. Oh, oh we all have one, and, and all of us have struggled with it, where Satan comes in the form of the thing that you're most tempted to, and he's simply designed. So if it's comfort, then he's going to come and say, would a good God allow you to suffer like this? Whatever it is, he's simply going to create doubt in your mind, which is why he starts out saying, he starts out saying, indeed, has God really said? Is that what he really said? What's he trying to do? He's trying to create doubt. You're not going to know you're talking to the devil when you're talking to him. 
The second thought then is, go to the next verse now. Here's what he says. He says, the woman said to him, look at what Eve said. From the fruit of the tree of the garden, we may eat. That is not what God said. So what did she do? She minimized God's goodness. Here's what the text actually said. The text actually says, from the fruit of the tree of the garden, we may, there's a key word, freely eat. Be careful when the enemy wants you to minimize God's goodness, which is why he comes to this table and he says, is this all God has? Really? Is this all he has? You have all of this and you're tempted to believe that God is still holding out and that it didn't cost anything for you to be at that table. Oh, it cost Jesus his very life for you to be at that table. But he doesn't want to remind you of that. He simply want to say, did he, did he really say you can't? Did he really? Creating doubt. Next verse. Here we go. What's what the text says? text says, but from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it. No, he didn't say don't touch it. But what will the enemy do? He will highlight the fact that God is so mean that he doesn't want to give you what you will. He says you can't touch it. What a good God say you can't touch it. He didn't say that. But when you don't know the Bible, you will listen to what anybody else has to say and pretend as if it's the real deal. Eve, he didn't say you can't touch it, so why are you adding that? All of a sudden now, you're, you're making God the big miser in the sky, and you're missing out on what God does. And then she minimized God's judgment, or you will die. That's not what he said. God said, Eve, if you touch it, you're sure enough going to die. The word surely is missing, because what God said is, don't, don't even pay. You will surely die. Eve said, uh, uh, maybe if you're not that bad. No wonder the enemy don't want us to talk about hell. Because he wants you to believe that they can't. Come on now, we're grown folk. That's a storybook stuff. That's what you read to your kids when they're bad. That's not what God really meant. Of course he has to create doubt. Because whatever God values he is going to diminish. It's the way he works. No wonder you're at this table. And you're at the table and God's saying, hey man, this all I have for you. And then all of a sudden something comes in your mind. But there's something that's not on the table that I really want. Where did that come from, ladies and gentlemen? It didn't come from God because your eyes are supposed to be fixed on him. It comes from the enemy. So who invites the enemy to your table? You do. And he looks like this. He looks, he looks like a big, old, a big old red cheer that comes out. And the devil, you said, devil, come on in to this table for two. You ain't supposed to be there. You shouldn't have invited him. It's only for two. And what do you do? You invite the devil with his pitchfork right to the table that is reserved for you and God alone. And all of a sudden, he's sitting at the table like he's somebody. Like he's supposed to be here. And he's so huge, he takes the whole table over. And now you're wondering, God, I mean, I can't even see you really, God. I don't even know what you're doing, God. God, what you, God, you're saying anything? And all of a sudden, you wonder why you don't like spending time with God anymore. 
That's because you invited the devil to your table. You wonder why every time you want to read your Bible, you fall asleep. That's because you invited the devil to your table. You're wondering why when we do 21 days of prayer, you only did the first three days and you didn't do any more because other things became more important. That's because you, not God, invited the devil to your table. Where does he come? What do you mean, Pastor? The mind is where the battle is fought. And when you have a negative thought about yourself, God didn't say that. You got that from the thought of the enemy. So he says something in your mind. You internalize it, make it your thoughts, and then all of a sudden you start believing that about yourself. Oh, I'm preaching better than you responding today. Lord, have mercy. You have allowed the enemy to show up at your table to rob you. The Bible says he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He wants to make sure you do not have peace and you do not have the presence of God. That's why he's at your table. And so now the question becomes, okay, pastor, how does he show up in a meaningful way at our table? How, does, how do we let him in? I'm glad you asked. Take out your Sherman notes. Let's see if we can walk through some of this. First of all, you need another four reasons why we're uncomfortable staying at the table. We're uncomfortable staying at the table because oftentimes from our last week's sermon of how we were raised. So you just, you don't even see God as somebody that wants to have a relationship with you. You see God as somebody who's a distant deity. He's so far off, he don't, he don't care that the devil is at the table. You see him as a distant lady. Some of you see him as a disappointed teacher, which means when you mess up, that you have become somebody else, not who God's called you to be. So God says, you're fearfully and wonderfully made, but the devil says, look at you, you're fearfully, you're even beautiful. And all of a sudden, you believe what the devil says and not what God says. That's because you, have a, you, you see him as a disappointed teacher. Another one is a demanding judge. The last one is a deterministic micromanager. And if you see God that way, no wonder when you come to the table and you want to have an intimate relationship with God, you can't feel it, you can't sense it, you don't delight in it. Why do you not delight in it? You don't delight in it because you've allowed the enemy and his minions at your table. So, Pastor, what does that look like when you invite the enemy out today? What does it look I mean, I mean, put it on the lower shelf so we all can get it. What does it look like when the devil sits at my table? Just, just make it so plain I will forever remember it. He tells you. He gives you five of them. He says, number one, here it is. Number one, when you compare yourself to other people. You compare the table God has for you with the table somebody else has. And all of a sudden, you start looking at your neighbor's house. And you say, God, my house ain't that good. I want a bigger house, a better house, uh, uh, a slicker house, a more modern house. And so all of a sudden, you start looking at everybody else's house, comparing the table God has for you with their table. Ladies and gentlemen, don't let the enemy come in. You compare everything. You compare your job. The job I have with the job I really want. And you say, God, what I have is not enough. I want you to give me more. You compare your spouses. You compare your kids. You compare your single life with a married person life. You compare your cars. You compare shoes. You compare everything. And you look and you say, I don't have what they have. 
because of comparison. And so you have another table that shows up, and when this table shows up, you say, God, I like this table, but, but, but God, I like this other table even more. God, I like this table, God, and it looks good, but God, there's another table. How did you know about the other table? Because the enemy set you up. And so all of a sudden, there's this other table, and this table got some goodies. Lord have mercy. This table got it. Oh, yeah, we got some chocolate chip, y'all. Hey, God, forget you, God. I got some chocolate chip. Yeah, God. Ah, uh, what else we got? Ooh, we got some M&Ms, God. Praise the Lord. You notice how everything on the other table is sweet? Get high blood pressure, give you diabetes, get everything. <laughs> but, boy, you love the other table. You love everybody else's table except the one God has for you. So you... You love some M&M's, oh, you love some Oreos, Oreos, little bit of blackness and whiteness. <laughs> Lord have mercy. You love some red, egg. boy, I'm going to tell you, oh yeah, <laughs> y'all love the Fanta strawberry. You know you're supposed to drink water. Well, no, God, that's your table. I need, I need me another table that got the good stuff. And without knowing it, the enemy has invited you to another table. And now you've made yourself at home. You've abandoned what God has for you. And you've embraced an alternate table designed by the devil. To move you away from the goodness and abundance that God has for you. And without even knowing it, you start comparing yourself. And you want pineapple and you want a strawberry and you want everything. You want some chips. Lord have mercy. You want some skills. Y'all finna buy some when you leave here today. Here's the point. Don't let the enemy distract you from the blessings and goodness that God has in store for you by comparing yourself to somebody else's life that he has a customized plan for them, but it's not yours. Enjoy the blessing God has for you. Can I get a witness, somebody? Number two. The second one is worthlessness. Hmm. This is where you say, God, I don't like who I am. God, I don't have the right degree. God, I, I only have a GED. God, I don't even have a high school degree. And so, God, I, 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 you, couldn't, you, you, you couldn't mean all of this abundance for me because I'm not worthy, God. It's where you start going down the path of, God, I'm not qualified for this job, and I shouldn't have this job. It's where you go down the path of, God, um, um, they, have a better, they have better eyebrows, and I wish I had their eyebrows, God. And, and God, I wish I had their hair, God. And, 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 and uh, God, I, I, there's some other things I wish I had that day that they have. And without knowing it, you start comparing yourself. God, I have, they have a better car than me. 
they got a, they got, they got more success than me. And you're thinking you're not worthy because of that comparison. But God says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. But you say you don't like what you see, which is an insult to God. Because he created you fearfully and wonderfully made. Where do you think you got the thought that you don't like what you see? It wasn't from your heavenly father. It wasn't from your good shepherd. It wasn't from him. It had to be from the enemy who wants to distract you away from what God has for you. This one's huge. It really is. It's so, it, it affects all of us. Nobody's immune from this one because in some area of your life, you don't think you're all that. And he says to you and to me, he says, I made you. I designed you. I've got a call for you, and I don't want you to miss it. Next week we celebrate 15 years, and, and, and my challenge is that, that 16 years ago, when my pastor asked me, hey man, I think this is what I think you need to do, I said in the secret closet, God, I ain't good enough. I said, God, don't you see who's around here, God? You got over there? The great scholar that's written more books than anybody else, Chuck Swindoll. Who the heck is this dude that don't know how to wear shoes, don't really know how to read and write? Nobody can understand him because he talks with a different language and sometimes he flips from patois to English. God, what are you going to do with me? God, do you, I mean, who lives in that? You got Bishop Jakes, you got Tony Evans, you got Freddie Haynes, you got, you got, you got all of these guys. Who the heck? Are you asking to start something? Nobody will ever show up, God. You got these giants of the faith. They're amazing. I love to listen to them all. And you asked a dude that struggled with English? Be careful that you don't disqualify yourself. Because God says, here's what I specialize in. I like to take the fools to confound the wise. Don't disqualify yourself from what God's calling you to do because you have no idea what he's up to. And your only job is if the voice is clear, even if the vision is not, your job is to do what God's called you to do. Can I get a witness, somebody? Lord, have mercy. Here we go now. We're going downhill from here. The third one is, how does he get in there? The third one is, me against the world. Huh. This is where it gets tough now. It's where you're saying to yourself, God, I don't trust nobody. Nobody in the world. My mama taught me real good. I don't trust nobody. I don't believe in them. I think they're out to get me, God. So here's what I'm going to do, God. It's me against the world. I have a fear-based paranoia. Everything I hate around me, God, I don't like my job. I don't like my parents. I don't like my kids sometimes. I don't, I don't like nothing. I distrust everybody and every single thing I can think about, there's doubt there. Where do you think you get that from? Where do you think you get this idea that you got to put on the boxing glove of life? And you have to say, well, nobody is, is for me, so I got to be for myself. And I got to fight all my battles myself. I know you say, God, you'll fight my battles, but I don't see you do it yet, so I'm going to pick it up, and I'm going to fight. And everything you do, every relationship you have, 
you come out like this. I know you ought to get me, so I'm going to get you before you get me. No, 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 don't laugh. This happens all the time. Some people aren't even aware that they walk into a meeting and they're like, I, I, I wish you, uh, if you even say the wrong. They walk into a relationship and because of the five past girls that hate you, you be like, I, 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 and they say one word. And all of a sudden, you be like, you don't fool with the wrong dude. I'm so sorry. You don't fool with the wrong girl. I'm so sorry. But I'm walking away because I have a paranoia. That has plagued me. Where do you think you got that from? I can't even sit in this chair because it represents the devil. So I ain't even sitting in I ain't, I ain't, I ain't sitting in the chair, y'all. What do you get? I, I can point to it, but I ain't sitting in it. Um, um, uh, where do you think you get that from? The enemy. You think that's how God wants you or created you? Or you think that's how God speaks to you? No, it's not. It's not how he speaks to you. But all of a sudden, you have embraced it. And before you know it, you're living this thing out. And every relationship that you touch sees it from a negative perspective. Every person you interact, you don't even realize it. You, 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 you're just a ticking, uh, boiling, hot water that's waiting to explode. Because of the pain that started as a thought and then became a lifestyle. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just here to tell you today, your God says he's got a great plan for you. Not one of calamity, but one of great peace and one of joy. And if you're not experiencing it, it's because you believe the lie of the enemy and not the blessings of God. Number four, here we go. Number four, the feeling that you're doomed. Look at your neighbor and say, doomed. doomed. Yep, that's it. This is where you don't know if you're going to make it. This is where life seems hopeless. This is where you're walking and everything seems to be going bad. The doors are closing in. And now you're saying the pain that I feel is so great that I don't want to live anymore. I feel doomed. And before you minimize this, there are way too many people that feel this way. There is no way out. I feel as if no one cares. The way I'm living my life, I don't want to live anymore. And there are millions of teenagers that feel that way right now. And if you're not careful, you will miss all the cues when they give it to you. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't know who's beside you today. And you don't know who's in your room. And you have no idea what they're experiencing right now. None. Which is why when you come into church, you must always ask God, God, will you reveal to me with spiritual eyes what I cannot see in the physical? Amen. Because you don't know when somebody just needs a hug. You have no idea when somebody just needs you to hold their hand. You have no idea what's going on. And every now and again, you need to be careful. Like you're just walking and think it's all about you. Get out of you. 
and realize there's a world that's hurting around us. And they're hurting in, with such excruciating pain. There's some people that just, um, this true story, I found somebody the other day, and a uh, pretty serious case, and they just said, man, listen, if I can just get a, a moment where I feel nothing, I'll go a little further. They said, there's one point in my life where I thought I'd just go to a building. Just because I'm feeling, what I feel now, I hate to feel this way so much. That if I could just, I could, listen, listen, listen. That if, if I felt like, back in the day, I felt like if I could just jump, I would, I would give anything for those few seconds when I felt nothing. Don't minimize the pain and the excruciating hurt that people go through every single day. There's a couple who, um... Who um, the girl? It, they got married young, and they're, they couldn't have kids, and they're going through life. And um, the girl uh, just, 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 just didn't, for some reason, like her husband. And and she, they went on for a little while, and she was just like, "Man, he don't, he's not attracted to me. I just can't take it anymore. I just, I just, I just don't like him anymore." And and that's how the story went on for about two years. The dude pursued her everything he could. And then they moved away and to another state. And then all of a sudden, true story, by the way. And then all of a sudden, um, it flipped. And all of a sudden, something happened inside of her. And she started liking him. But by that time, he had a new beginning. So he said, uh-uh, I done tried too long. I don't like you no more. And so the dynamics flipped, y'all. And all of a sudden, the dude is like, mm-mm, deuces. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to live my best life. And all of a sudden, the girl could not believe that she was being so rejected. It caused her so much internal strife and pain that she could not get over the rejection after he pursued her for such a long time. Where do you think that comes from? That table? Or this dude? Where do you think that comes from? So here's what she did. She decided that the rejection was so excruciating that she couldn't take it anymore. And so here's this lady that decided, well, if I can't have you, nobody else can. And so she followed him for a while until she met him in a garage. And she came out of her car and shot him. And then shot herself. think that started where do you think it started because somebody the enemy lied to her about her worth and she decided the pain and the rejection was so great I didn't want to live anymore if I cannot get what I want Listen, listen, you have no idea who's sitting beside you or who's sitting in your row. And you have no idea if somebody on your row is thinking the same thing right now. It starts with a thought that's sown by the enemy. It moves from a thought to a pattern and a habit, then to a lifestyle. Until you can't take it anymore. 
God created this table for you and he longs to be with you. We've abandoned his table and embraced thoughts from the enemy. What you ought to tell the enemy today is, I want my table back. Amen. The last one, before we go, the last one, the last one, the last one. Here's this one. It says, believing there's no way out. There's no way out. There's nothing you can do to get things to be better. Let me tell you what happened. You've, you, you have consequences of bad decisions are closing in. Betrayal of people who once used to love you. The reputation, your reputation is now toast. You cannot go back to the area you used to be. You have to run away. You've lost your job. This divorce is plaguing you. And, and you can't get out of town. And the pain gets so great. And you can see no way out. And all you want to do is stop and say, I'm done. Father, will you help us today? Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. I need to know that God wants you to take your table back and the way he wants you to do it is it all starts in the mind. So he wants you to say to this enemy, by taking every thought, not a conversation, a thought, captive. And he wants you to remind the enemy that you don't belong here and that you need to get up out of my house and out of my table. You need to go somewhere else and he's gonna tell you how to do it. Turn your page over in your sermon notes and let me show you what he says to you. He's going to tell you how to do it. He's going to give you six steps to pull it off. Don't miss this. They're powerful ones. He starts with protection. That's where he starts. Protection. Ephesians 6, 7. Here's what the text says. The text says um, we have to put on the helmet of salvation. Listen to me now. Why? This is so important. You need a helmet of protection. Why do you need it? Because you need the mind of Christ. And if you don't have the mind of Christ, which means you're not saved then the enemy will have a field day with you. So if you don't know Jesus today, then today's the day that you need to know him because you need the helmet of salvation protecting your mind because now you have the mind of Christ inside of you. He continues, he says, secondly then, what you need is you need prayer. In other words, you need to make it a lifestyle of prayer. What does prayer mean? Prayer means you're moving the enemy away by simply talking to God. And you're saying, God, I'm worried about something, God. I have a negative thought here, God, but I need you, my shepherd, and I need to talk to you. I can't let the enemy make the thing over here bigger than my relationship with you. It doesn't end there. He continues. He says, not only do you need prayer, you need to make sure the next thing you need is preparation. By the renewing of your mind, the text says. What do you want you to do? Renew your mind daily. It's a, it's a, it's a military word. It's, it's the readiness of the soldier that knows he's going into battle. So he gets his mind ready by listening to God's word every single day and reminding yourself that God has not... God has given me spiritual weapons and spiritual armor that are mighty 
through God to destroy every enemy stronghold. He tells you that, but you got to have this relationship for him to do it. The more you read the word, the more the devil runs. It gives, him, it gives him allergies and he has to run away from you. It makes him start coughing because you're declaring God's word. If the son of man needed God's word to defeat the devil, then why you think you don't need it? He continues after, after the pre preparation, then you need primacy. Here's what the primacy says. If he's, uh, Philippians chapter 5, setting our minds on things above and not on things of this earth. That's where it starts. And then from there, you need to be in a position. What does, what does position mean? He tells you. He says, all he's trying to say is, keep, he will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. And then you end with a process. That is a grid through which we process everything. You can't just get into my mind anymore. I got to take every thought. You don't just roll up and say, Conway, you ain't all that. You don't get to do that because I got to remind myself about what God's word says and about this bounty that he has for me. So I'm not taking your word. It's time to take my table back. God, you created this table for me. I'm not letting the enemy show up and convince my mind. And that's how you are. Where are you today? How are you doing? Which one of these are you falling prey to? Which one of these five are the enemy trying to say to you? Uh -huh. You need something else. What God has for you is not good enough. So go after what else he has. Uh, maybe it's you don't feel worthy and you feel worthless. So then this is the time to go get these declarations and affirmations over your own life and remind yourself of what God says to you. Maybe it's you, you just think you're in the fight of your life and everybody's against you. Maybe it's, it's all closing in on you. I don't know what it is, but on today, I need you to know that your God has set a table for two and he promises his presence and he promises peace. Last thought and then I'm done. Don't you dare forget when he gives you this abundance, the key to this table is not the stuff he gave you. The key to this table is his presence. The real gift here is not all of this stuff. The real gift is the presence of the one who walks with you through the valley of the shadow of death, which makes you fear no evil. Not because of your car and your house and your money and your 401k and your investments and your multiple properties. Not because of that, but because of the presence of God with you. So I'm here today to remind everybody in the house. He invites you again to his table. And he asks you, will you come sit with me? Will you come tabernacle with me? Will you come hang with me? We're in a battle, ladies and gentlemen. It's spiritual warfare. Don't you be fooled. He wants to get you away from your heavenly father. They're going to come and they're going to sing a song. And then I'm going to share some thoughts. And then we'll be done today. The song they're going to sing just reminds you that you're always surrounded 
And even when you're on the chemo ward, even when you're going through the divorce, even when you're going through the wayward child, even when you're going through the lame body, even when you're going through the difficult, I just need to remind you that you're not surrounded only by your enemies. He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. But by God, my God, there's a group of people watching you that cares deeply and wants to fight for you. So the song simply goes, this is how I fight my battles. pray that you'll give them freedom, blessings, new mercies, new grace. I pray that they will internalize who you've called them to be, not who the enemy wants them to be. Will you pray for them? Take 15 more seconds. And here we go.
six seconds left. Go on. Father, I thank you for a body of believers that's open to, to hearing difficult topics being talked about. God, I pray for every person in this house today that knows somebody that's excruciating, ex, ex, that experiencing excruciating pain. God, will you please equip them to minister to them? And then God, if there's somebody here that's walking through this themselves, Will you, will you help them to keep every thought captive? And then will you help us all to walk slowly with them? God, some of us have no idea the feeling of hopelessness because your grace has been overly bountiful toward us. God, I just pray for the, the man and the woman and the, the teenager today that's feeling like those doors are closing in on them. Will you... Will you minister to them personally? I pray, God, for the, for the person that keeps comparing and, and being dissatisfied with what you, the good shepherd, has already given to them because they lack nothing that they need. I pray for that person. Will you, will you, will you, will you give them the peace and contentment that they need? I pray for the person who, who feels that they're worthless. What a lie of the enemy. We rebuke that thought in Jesus' name. And I ask that you will remind them of who they are and whose they are and the call, the mission, the bold vision you have for that particular life. Raise up your men and women to take their tails back so they can have this intimate, deep, uninterrupted relationship with a shepherd that gave it all to have a relationship with them. I grant this place please, peace. I grant this place joy. In the name of Jesus we pray. Everybody said, My life is in your hand.